Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Stalian English show featuring Coach Kurtz. This is Coach English. I'm in here with Coach Staley. Uh, Coach Kurtz is out for today. Um, how's, how's the week treat you uh, there, Josh? All is well, brother. As always, God is good. You know, glad to be here doing another show and hopefully we can get some good words out to our listeners. Yeah, hopefully we can get it out. <laughs> uh, yesterday we had a pretty long day, man. Had a chance to work the uh, South Carolina uh, Basketball Coaches Association's uh, elite camp where they had some of the top elite talent in the state of South Carolina come together and showcase their talents. Um, we had a chance to meet with, uh, to talk to Coach John Combs, uh, head coach over at Ben Lippin, and here's a quick snippet of uh, our conversation. Right now, we are at a great event, the South Carolina Coaches Association, uh, Coaches Association Elite Camp. And right now, we have with us a visitor to the show, and, and hopefully we can get him on at a later date when he's less busy, uh, Mr. John Coach Combs, over, uh, head coach over at Ben Lippin. How you doing, Coach Combs? And I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Uh, no problem, no problem. Well, so tell us what you're doing there. Well, we're just excited. Um, I'm head basketball coach here at Ben Lipton School, and we're excited to have our 10th annual SCBCA uh, Boys Elite Camp today. And it's just, it's, it's grown every year. It's gotten better every year. And we just think this is a great opportunity for kids and coaches to come together to you know, showcase a little bit, teach a little bit, have some fun, and try to make basketball better here in South Carolina. Well, you know, this, they say this state is a, a football state, but what you what you find out by being here is there's a lot of talent basketball-wise in this state. Um, why do you think that uh, that we can't get a better rep basketball-wise here? Like, we can't get it really to take off as, as good as it should. Well, I think yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it may have to do with just maybe the college perception of, you know, it being a football state. I mean, the amount of high-quality players that we produce um, based off of the population, I mean, we're a relatively small state. Yeah. But you consider the fact that some of the world's best basketball events are here in South Carolina, it's incredible. I mean, you talk about the Nike Peach Jam, which is in North which Augusta. Which is in North Augusta, Augusta. yeah. You got the Chick-fil-A Classic, the Bojangles Bash, or two, you know, the – you know, beach ball classic. Those are some of the best high school events in the in the country. And then, of course, you now have you know South Carolina. The Gamecocks were a Final Four team, and Coach Don Staley was a national champion in women's yeah, basketball. Yeah. So you could you think about all the high level basketball in a small state of South Carolina. It, it, it's incredible, and hopefully the you know we are changing a little bit. And of course, we can be a football and basketball yeah, state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love for that to even out a little bit. Um, uh, well, what what is the future for the? Uh, SCBCA. Where, where, where do we see it going over the next few years? Well, it, that all depends on our, our players and the coaches that we have uh, leading it. And I feel I'm excited about the group of coaches we have getting involved um, with the different events that we have. I mean, this is only the, you know, so we say the 10th annual SCBCA Elite Camp. Um, we're also starting, and this is new, coming up in um, March. The North Carolina coaches and about and the South Carolina coaches are partnering together to do the North Carolina and South Carolina Senior All-Star Game. Oh, okay. So before it was done in, in Myrtle Beach under a different entity, but now uh, the coaches associations from both states are running it together. So we're excited that we're going to maybe have our influence on it a little bit more and grow this thing to be even a, a bigger event when it comes to that. Yeah, well, I've, I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, to come to events 
um, before I was actually a head coach and then um, then now as a head coach to see it from the opposite side. I think it's a great opportunity. All the things that, that are done here by the SCBCA is a good opportunity for the kids to get some notoriety and, and, and get uh, some college looks and to be informed. You, had a, you have a, a, a particular, the first time I had seen it at a camp like this, a particular session where the kids have to go to the classroom. Tell us about that. Well, to me, we're going to have a classroom session later on where the coaches will talk about different things. We're, we're talking about academics. We're going to talk about social media awareness. I don't think a lot of you know players, when we talk about NCAA core GPA, I don't think they really understand what that means. Um, and so we're just trying to enlighten them a little bit to, for them to put the power of their uh, their eligibility in their hands, where they need to find out what they have. Don't depend on anybody else. Yeah, that's so we're just trying to point. do a lot of different things to educate the kids, and uh, not just on the court, you know, away from the court as well. And I will say that cafeteria was on point. I had a great time with that chicken a little, a few minutes ago. Coach Coach Ostaley got me eating healthy, so he looked at my plate funny when I sat it down. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to answer to that later. But nice to have you on, Coach Combs. Anytime you want to get on, just let us know. Well, thank you. I look forward to doing it in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Coach Combs, for that. So, Josh uh, Josh and I were both uh, privileged and blessed enough to be chosen as coaches for the camp. Um, Josh, what did you think about yesterday? Man, I think this was one of the best elite camps we've had um, in the last 10 years. This actually was the 10th anniversary, as um, Coach Combs said. Um, I think the talent was at a very high level. I think the coaching was at a very high level. And um, I really, we, as, as a board member of the um, South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association, I really appreciate and we really appreciate the um, coaches nominating their kids and getting them out to this event. Um, it was college coaches in the gym, and um, it was a really good event. So I was very, very pleased with the level of competition and the level of talent at this event. Yeah, I thought that as well, man. I echo those same sentiments. It was uh, uh, the level of talent was a lot was a lot higher as it's been in the past years. That's first and foremost. And secondly, like, you know, I want to thank the coaches, and I know you've already said this. You know, you want to thank the coaches for nominating their kids to be there because I think that a lot there's a lot of coaches out there who have not nominated their kids and didn't, didn't take the time. Um, and I think that that's a huge part of what needs to be done because you need to make sure that your kids are getting exposed. Right. And this right. was a platform that was created by the South Carolina. Uh, basketball coaches association to do that you know where it's up to the coach pretty much to kind of say hey here's my kid here's what he's done I believe he deserves to be put on that platform and then at that moment the board gets to you know the, the, the decision makers get together and they look at the information and they decide to invite um, and and I think that this is a great thing that's being done by the by the uh, South Carolina uh, basketball coaches association yeah, it was it was it was great, man. And I I see nothing but um, the event getting better and, and bigger for the future. So as the years it was, go on, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was really good. It was really good um, having it um, being a part of that this this past weekend. Yeah, that was great. Um, we we've uh, today. Uh, uh, let's 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 tell them what we're going to talk about first here, Josh. Yeah, well, we got some um, interesting topics. Um, talk about today one one biggie that we're going to talk about um as 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 coaches how can we help our student athletes handle um the social and civil and civic issues 
that they are being exposed to on a daily basis. Um, it's a lot going on. And our young people eyes are on it. Our young people are seeing it. So as 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 coaches and, and, and educators and leaders, how are we handling helping our young people handle these um, issues? So we're going to talk about that first today and, and, and really give um, hopefully we can give you guys some advice on how to help the young folks, um, you know, handle these issues. And I think that's a tough thing. Uh for us as coaches because of course we have our own personal feelings about whatever it is about this topic um in all actuality uh we had a discussion a round table discussion yesterday with coach kurtz and coach johnson from over at was hopkins over at hopkins middle um and it, it was some of the things they said were enlightening um and the biggest part came from Coach Kurtz. He was like, you know, we're leaders. As leaders, we have to find a way to bring this thing together um, and have the kids formulate. And, and my thing is have the kids formulate their own, help them to formulate their own opinions. We cannot inject into them how we feel. Um, and I had a conversation with a parent on my way here today, and I told her what our topics were for today. And she asked me a question. She was like, well, how do you feel about it? She said, tell me you're honest. Like, how do you feel about it? And I said, well, I'm going to be honest. I said, if, you, if you've ever, anybody who's ever watched me coach, when the national anthem comes on, I put my hands behind my back. I stand with my hands behind my back. I don't put it over my heart, whatever. I don't salute. But that's my own personal thing. I'm not being disrespectful to anyone. But my personal experience with it is my dad, and I didn't bring this up in our roundtable yesterday, because mainly because I hadn't spoken to my father until <laughs> last night and it kind of brought it into light for me was, you know, he was drafted to go to Vietnam. And when he came back, his health care, like he still suffers from PTSD. And there's nowhere for him to go to get help for that. And he was drafted. He didn't make a conscious decision to go defend. He was chosen and told that he had to do something. So that's my way of honoring my father. So I feel as though the issue, what started as an issue of, hey, we need to bring some light to police brutality, um, racism, any, not necessarily racism, but inequalities when you're talking about the way law enforcement perceives um, uh, 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 their perception of minorities needs to change and Colin Kaepernick tried to give a voice to the voiceless he used his platform uh, to give a voice to the voiceless I initially he sat down but then somebody said that was disrespectful so guess what he said okay I won't sit I'll knee. Right, I'll take a knee if that's disrespectful I'll take a knee and what has happened is POTUS has gone ahead and that had became a, high, a, a topic of discussion and he figured out okay well look we got to change the narrative and the narrative got hijacked he did his he did what he do and then now, so now it stopped being about the voiceless and starts to become an issue about standing for the flag or the national anthem. You know, shoot, I found out through uh, my ex-wife, who's a Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witnesses don't stand for it. They don't stand for the national anthem. I can't remember the, the exact reason, but uh, if my memory serves me correctly, there's it, it, it's just in their religion that they don't. I have a student in my class who hasn't stood all year. You know, and, and who am I to tell him? I don't know why. You know, he might have a religious affiliation that causes him to say, okay, he can't stand. But the thing that I like about the platform that I have is 
the young boy that, that hasn't stood all, all year is black. A young white lady came up to me. She says, uh, Coachy, why doesn't he... St- why doesn't he stand? Why don't you make him stand? I said, well, that's his personal choice. He doesn't want to stand. I don't know what it is. I said, why don't you ask him? And apparently sometime between that day and the very next day in class, they had she must have asked him. He must have told her. And she came, uh, and, and I happened to talk to her the next day. And, she was, and I was like, hey, did you have a chance to talk to him? And she said, yeah. I said, well, do you understand why he's sitting? She said, yes. And that was the end of the conversation. I didn't ask her the question of do you agree because it's not about agreeance. And I know you're about to bring this up, Josh. It's not about agreeance. We're, we're not all going to agree on topics. Right, right. You know, it's, about, it's about understanding the other side of the aisle. And I think that's what we're struggling with with this. And when, you, when you're dealing with young people, I think a lot of adults, and I, and I pray that they wouldn't be this way, but a lot of adults are setting their ways. Okay, they, They're not trying to change by choice. Because they're more comfortable with whatever they may believe in. And they have the right to be that way if they want to feel that way. But when you're dealing with young people and we're and, and as a coach, and, and you might have that player to say, well, coach, I want to kneel. Or coach, or coach, I want to I wanna, um, express myself with this. Well, as, as, as coaches and as leaders, we have to make sure we're trying our best to guide these kids in the right direction. And I think one of the biggest things we have to do is make sure we're being honest. We have to be honest with the young people. We have to tell the entire story. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Not just the side, excuse me, not just the side that makes black folks look good or not just the side that makes white folks or whatever race you may be. You have to tell the entire story with with what's going on. So if we're going to use the Colin Kaepernick issue as an example. If a kid said, well, I want to take a knee, you have to really explain to that kid why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. And you have to explain to that kid in the same breath why people are opposed to him doing so. And you have to make sure that child understands both. And when you're telling your when you're telling your narrative of what's going on, you have to make sure you control your intent. Because mm-hmm. usually when we tell stories, we, 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 we put our intent within it to try to sway someone to lean towards what we believe in. You can't do that when you're trying to deal with young folks, especially as a coach. You want them to be able to make a sound decision from their own mind. But if you want it to be sound, you want it to be fundamental, and you want it to be something that they can defend and believe in. And you have to control your intent even when you're angry with the matter that is going on. Because you can't grow if you infuse anger in your decision making. That like anger is one of the main things that prevents growth. Yeah. And then next, as a coach, you have to make sure you're on the same page with your administration. So like when if if a child wants to demonstrate, like I know um, a college, a Division three school out in um, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken, had a kid that was just kicked off the team because he kneeled. Um, the team had agreed to kneel before the um, national anthem, but this child, this student athlete felt he still needed to kneel during the national anthem, and ultimately he got kicked off the team. Well, that child believed in that. That's what the, that's what he felt he needed to do, and he, he paid a um, consequence for that. But you need to make sure your administration understands what you're preaching to your kids and that y'all are on the same page and that they are okay with the actions and, and the language 
that you are having with your with, with your student athletes about these topics? Well, that's that's the thing. You have to make sure that whatever it is you're saying to them that your administration because you can't put your job at jeopardy if you're talking about your your uh means of feeding your family i mean because we both have families um and, and bills to pay and everything else so you can't put yourself in a situation where you, you what you're saying is uh, uh against what the administration wants you to do in that aspect and the, the parent i was talking to uh she said so coach what 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 would you do in that game if that kid was to kneel <laughs> And then you got called in the next day. What what would you do? What, what she says? I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Some at some point somewhere. She's like, well, what if it was your case? And I said, well, you know what? I'm gonna ask that on the show today. Like, if it was to happen, what would I do? I said because honestly, in that moment, my own personal belief system is everybody has a right to do what they want, what they feel is right for them. Right. And if I'm teaching my kid my kids to be men. Because I, I, I'm a leader of young men. Um, and if I'm teaching them to be men, as long as they know the purposes behind what they're doing, I said, I'm not saying be out there and be blatantly disrespectful. But if it happens, you know, I can't, whether I decide to stand and kneel for something, whether a kid decides to stand and kneel, I don't believe that somebody should tell him, no, you can't do that. Right, right. You right. know, he's not standing out there getting butt bone naked in the middle of the court standing there I said because you know he's he that's his thing so if I get called in I mean the only thing I said I can't question them I would tell them to go talk to him because I don't have control over what he does and I think that would be the conversation between me and my administration is you know I think y'all might need to talk to him because I mean what am I to say to him I don't know what yeah. is well, being preached I, at his house I, I don't know what I don't think you want to be I think the worst thing we want to do as coaches is, is be blindsided. And that's the thing. So that's why I think the, the – Should the, we be proactive? Right, the topic – yeah, I think we should. I think the topic of this show is very important. I think you should have this conversation with your young, with your young people because this is something that has been fed to them at a very high rate the last several months. Yeah. Okay? The, and, 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 and I don't care what you say, young folks – are going to be our next leaders of the world. And these are the people that are going to be taking care of us. So we want to make sure they're sound, they are aware, and they are very, very conscious of the consequences and the reactions that occur with the actions that they decide to partake in. And I don't say that in a negative way. I believe um, this country was built on protest. One of the, one of the foundations of this country is protest, and um, we try to get away from that. But I think as coaches, we need to be proactive with our young people and have these conversations with them so the administration and you as a coach won't be put in that situation where a kid takes a knee beforehand because that kid might be, that kid should be comfortable enough with you to say, well, hey, this is what we talk about in our, at our house. And at the end of the day, you do want to be able to support and back up your players. You know, um, coaching is a very intimate profession. You spend a lot of time together. Um, you sacrifice a lot for each other. So you want to be able to back up your players and you want your players to know that you have their back. And I think enabled to, and, and, and what enables you to do that is being on the same page and always having a plan 
and 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 a method to the you know uh, a a rhyme a rhyme to the reason a, a method to the process instead of just acting out um you know on the spur of the moment you know off off of emotions yeah because you can't act off of you can't make emotional decisions it, right. it, it's just the bottom line and <clears throat> when i was saying that i wasn't sure that that that's a legitimate way to do it i think that you got to have an open conversation with your team you know after tryouts you know after all of that said and done and you have the core of what you're going to have for the year you need to meet with both your, all whoever you're going to have and your staff and you need to put forth hey look this is what we're going to do um and, and have that conversation about how they feel now I, my my response to that parent was i said i don't think i have kids that are that socially conscious enough but i probably might have one or two i have one kid that's extremely smart i don't mean intelligent in the sense that everybody else isn't i mean it more so where he like he watches a lot of current events and he, he he's very in tune to what's going on because we've had conversations about this um open conversations and like you said honest conversations where right. i didn't impart my how, what my belief system is what i imparted upon him was hey you know how do you feel and, and why is it that you feel that way because you have to be able to articulate why you feel that way and i think you got to have that open conversation at the beginning of the season so it carries over and nobody puts anything in jeopardy because you, you don't know how administration is going to react if you're blindsided to something right because as the right. leader you should know how, how those young how, people are feeling. How they're feeling and, and, and what their reaction was. And yesterday at the round table, you want to talk about honesty. Yesterday at the round table, uh, 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 Coach, you said you, you told of a story uh, between you and Micah in the, uh, in the weight room. Yeah, you know, um, you know, as you know, you know, Coach Kurtz is one of my dear friends. And, um, you know, a lot had been going on in the past several months. If you don't know, I have two sons. You know, I am a black male and I am raising two young black males in America, and it gets hard. You know, it was a lot for me to digest, stemming back all the way to the baby Trayvon Martin that lost his life, to, to, to Sandra, Bland, Sandra, Sandra Bland, who lost her life. And, and, and it was a lot going on, and I was emotional one day in the weight room when we was about to work out together. And you know, Coach Kurtz felt my pain because of the respect and the love we have for each other. You know, Coach Kurtz is a white American male. But because our hearts are connected, not our race, not our skin tone, not not the neighborhoods we were brought up in, our hearts, he felt it. And he sent me a text later on that day. He was like, look, man, I know you're going through a lot. Just know that I love you. And that's the revolution that I believe that's going to come from all of this. The people are going to begin to connect again and, 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 and drown out the hateful ones that don't want us to be unified, that don't want us to grow together, that don't want us to realize we are one body, whether you want to believe that we are connected or not. You know, one of the biggest things my mom taught me, one of the biggest lessons, we, my mom didn't talk politics to me a lot, if any. And as a young kid, you don't understand why, but now I know why. Because my mom didn't want me to lose the opportunity to connect with people, with people. simply because of someone's political views or what faction that person represented. And I, and to this day, I'm very grateful because I don't go into potential relationships with people professionally, socially, or, or just for the heck of it, informally, with a blinder on or with prejudgment in my, in my mindset. I'm going now, if they feel that way about me, that's fine. That's on them. That's your loss, not mine. But 
I go into it with the mindset of getting to know someone for who they are. And I think people can feel my vibes when it comes to that. And that's how I'm raising my sons. I'm passing that right along to my sons. I'm not teaching my sons to to be a Republican or a Democrat. I'm teaching my sons to simply follow your heart, trust your faith, and go with the person that you feel is going to treat people the best. Yeah, you got because you have to have you have to have your kids be able to make up their own minds. And uh, Coach uh, Kurt said it yesterday. He says a, a a kid that's a racist doesn't. It's not born with that nature. No, no one's that born is racist. a learned behavior. That is something that is taught to them through time of the people that are around them. I said, you know, and. and and I said yesterday, I said, um, it's funny if you stand back, because we both would work at culturally diverse schools. Right. And I think that there's nothing, uh, although I am a graduate of a predominantly African-American high school uh, in the inner city of uh, Orange, of, of New Jersey, um, I am also a graduate of uh, HBCU, proud of my Allen University degree, and culturally diverse students just seem to be a little bit more well-adjusted in dealing with people of opposite cultures. I was lucky enough to grow up in Brooklyn, New York right. and go to school in Jersey, whereas you, it's all colors of the rainbow. Like Coach Johnson said, that the rainbow is one of the most beautiful things in the world because it's one entity with multiple colors. Like You were able to be exposed to different cultures. I was my mom was from Trinidad. My dad was from Panama. I was able to eat different types of foods, experience Italian, experience this, experience that. And you as well, growing up in D.C., a culturally diverse area, although it might have been a predominantly African-American community, just being in D.C., you see a whole bunch of stuff. And a right. lot of times the kids in in the South don't get, at a lot of the schools, don't get an opportunity to interact with a lot of different races, but where I am and where you are, the kids have opportunity to intermingle with each other. And I stand back and you sit there and and, and and I stood back one day and you just happened to notice that with all of this stuff going on around the world, uh, in, I'm sorry, in, in, in the country with all of the division, it's almost like it doesn't affect them. Right. Because they're still friends. They're still joking. They're still clowning. They're still sitting next to each other in cafeterias. They are still talking to each other at football practice. They're still, you know, grinding right. together at basketball workouts. You know, you told um, um, um tell them about, uh, uh, you said, uh, Coach Curtis talked about y'all talking to um, the yeah, FCA. We, we, we talked to the FCA, and, 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 you know, our administration was very concerned because there was some tension going on, you know, with – with 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 the differences um, amongst the young people about you know standing for the flag or taking a knee or having your right to do so such and um you know like I said you got to be on the same page as your administration and um some administrators you know they came in they expressed how they felt but the biggest thing is Coach Kurtz and myself we wanted them to know look we got this you know we have a great relationship with these kids we're going to we're going to be able to express and talk to these kids and afterwards you should have saw the sigh of relief on those kids face after me and coach kurt spoke to them you know because kids want to be led in the right direction yeah they don't want to live in a chaotic world and don't get it twisted chaos is by design there are people out there that want us to be chaotic that don't want us to be able to get along okay and and we were able to talk to those young people and they were really, really able to see that, okay, it's okay 
to have a difference of opinion. Yeah. The difference of opinion isn't what caused someone not to get along. It's when you don't respect how someone feel or you don't try to understand where some where no no you intentionally don't want don't to understand. understand where someone is coming from that's when tensions when when tension ar- uh, arrives and, and, and it arises and, and and problems occur because this is how i feel and this means a lot to me and you're going to simply disrespect it and not care about how i feel don't even try to care well understand where I'm coming from, now we're going to have a problem. But those young kids were able to see that, man, okay, I feel this way because this is how I was brought up. They feel that way because this is what they went through. Mm -hmm. So now, if I can understand where they're coming from, they can understand where I'm coming from, and we can find a common ground, we can can continue to grow and move forward. And I I was talking uh, about this topic, and I said, you know, the we can have a disagreement. Right. Last week, me and you had a disagreement, although we agreed. We had a disagreement, uh, Michael Jordan and, and, and LeBron James. Right. I, I would take LeBron over Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, we've, we've already been right. through that. And, but we had a disagreement without having an argument. Right. It, it was a discussion. If you have, if I, res- if I understand your point, and I respect your opinion because I'm honest with myself and honest with you. We can have a disagreement and have a discussion, albeit heated, and it not be an argument. Right. The problem is resistance begets resistance. If I'm going to sit here and I'm going to argue with you, then it's resistance begetting resistance. And now nobody's getting anywhere. But if I understand your position and respect your opinion and articulate mine in a clear manner, we're fine. And like like you said, you know, that's why people were so resistant to um, uh, 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 Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, Dr. he was a man that was ahead of his time. If you look at it, who do uh, he's one of the what? people that we would need today. He fit this. They used Dr. King's message against him. Like he wanted, he he knew he knew that in order for us to move forward, it had to be a non. It had to be a non-violent approach, because if 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 black folks would burn torches and raid the streets and riot, we would get we wouldn't get anywhere. Okay, yeah, you got a lot of frustration out, and you felt that you accomplished something, but we're actually further back than when we were before we even became violent and wanted to fight. So Dr. King knew that okay, you're treating me wrong. This is how I feel. This is what I want. This is what I want. So we're going to peacefully protest. Does it sound familiar? We want to peacefully protest. But the opposition said, no, we're going to attack you. We're going to fight you to get rid of your peaceful protest. And they went even further to assassinate Dr. King because they knew what he was fighting for in in, in, in in the manner in which he was doing it was going to have a way greater impact than simply going out fighting and flipping over cars. See, because think about this now. All right, if you if you go ahead and you talk about the resistance, right? You talk about resistance or, or, or we're going to go black militancy and this, that, and the third. What do you think the issue is, the issue is, police brutality that's what the issue began as it it began as police brutality 
and what is going on and people that are being what's that are being targeted the, the groups of minorities that are being targeted by law enforcement or people that believe that they are law enforcement and, and make these snap judgments and and, and 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 do things that that are just inhumane to people while they're in custody or trying to get them in custody. So if we rise up and say, hey, we're going to we're going to resist back. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be get more violence from law enforcement and people forget one thing. All right. We had two uh, uh, great leaders back then. It was Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. But people forget it wasn't until Malcolm X's later years that he truly became a threat. Because right. he embraced that peacefulness, knowing that I have to work together to a common goal. I have to work with other people. He stopped being militant and started to embrace, maybe not Dr. King's entire philosophy, but saying, hey, look, I, I went to Mecca and realized, shoot, there's all kind of people that, that practice my faith. That practice my faith. It was, it was, it was people from, from, from all ethnic makeups that practice his faith. And just to keep this thing in perspective, you know, so when you're talking to your young people, yeah, get them to understand. I think one of the biggest things you could teach them as coaches is getting them to understand where someone else is coming from. Because as a coach, we have to put players where they're going to be most successful. Yeah. We have to play them to their strength. Yeah, you can have your own philosophy and you can want to do this. But if that player just can't play full core man, heck, he just can't play full core man. <laughs> you so you change. have to put them, you have to change <laughs> and put them in a situation where they could be successful. So you have to understand what your player does best. You have to get these young people to understand the whole element of what's going on. Okay? Not a side, but the whole element. Because see, I need the young people to be able to grow and get along better than some of the folks in my generation and, and the folk in, in, in the older generations. You know, we don't want to fight. And I'm I am I am sincerely keeping my opinion of it all out of this because yeah. it's not about me right now. It is simply about what is going to be best for teaching these te helping coaches to get young folks to understand how to handle these um, civil and civic and social issues that they're being faced with. So like if, you're, if, if, if your young people want to do a, 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 a peaceful protest, make sure you communicate that with your administration. Yeah. Make, sure, make sure that they understand why they're protesting. You know, it's so much more, it's so many, it's so many more layers to why Kaepernick was taking a knee. It wasn't, it's just simply not about police brutality. It's so many more layers of inequality and, and inequity in America that, that he was kneeling for. So this thing is serious. And I do believe the peaceful revolution has begun and we will grow from this. And like Coach Kurt said yesterday, it takes, the calm always comes after the storm. Yeah, we're in the storm right now. We're not getting the best leadership from our political leaders right now. Okay, well, I won't say all, some of them are doing a tremendous job, but our president has to do a much better job of unifying and not dividing this country. And and I will be naive and make a statement and say maybe you don't know what you're doing, Mr. President. But if you don't. Here's what you're doing. You're dividing this country with your with your divisive statements, 
actions and reactions and you're making one group feel this way and empowering another group that's never good when you're in a leadership position and then you have guys like mike dicker making making Crazy. just just antiquated statement saying well if you don't like it go to another country no mike dicker you go to another country because those people you told to go to another country because they wanted to peacefully protest have the right to do so and if you don't believe they do you need to go to another country because you aren't standing by the political and 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 and, and, and social and, and 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 governmental policies of this country which is the right to protest. So, obviously, my dick, just from that one statement, you showed me that you have no understanding what minorities in America go through. And it's not just simply about, yeah, football. You say, well, football is really taking care of a lot of the people that are taking a knee. You're right from a financial standpoint. standpoint. But we all know you can't take your money with you. But when I'm gone, I need my sons and my son's sons to know that they live in a country where they're going to be treated by who for by what what they stand for and who they are, not their race and their skin tone and their ethnic makeup. So, Mike Dicker, you need to kind of go back and, and fix what you said, sir. And um, you wanna you wanna make sure that we we really help these young people understand to be more understanding. And like I said, maybe in another show, I will give you guys my um personal opinion on everything but right now it's about helping these coaches help the young people understand how to handle these elements talk to each other not at one another and not only that but also to parents you know like if if, if a lot of the behavior that you're getting from the kids is stemmed from home like yesterday uh, uh coach kurtz was talking about the fact that you know the leaders he talked about governmental and he got to us as coaches. And I want to take it a step further. Uh, you know, parents and guardians, y'all are leaders of your household. And the message that you send out, like Coach Staley just said, he instills in his kids what his mom instilled in him, which is the right to respect somebody else's and the want for you to have formulate your own opinion. And I think my, uh, my grandmother instill something similar in me and it's a little bit uh not on the political sense but it's it's no <laughs> no secret my name is my first name is yusuf and my middle name is abdullah so i was born uh Mus- into the muslim faith and uh, my dad and my mom were muslim and my dad and my mom left the muslim faith and i went to go live with my grandmother and my i was going to a very good muslim muslim based faith school and my grandmother asked me, pretty much just asked me and my grandmother, I mean, my brother said, hey, you know, do y'all still want to go there or do you want to try going to regular school? Like, do you still want to be Muslim, basically, or do you want to be a different religion? And she said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to church with me and then you can see what you want to do. And we went to church with her and, and over time we just ended up keep going to church with her right and and eventually we were able to formulate our own opinions as we got older but it taught me even at a young age that no she was not trying to get me to do something you know she wasn't trying to make a decision for me but helping me to formulate my own opinion okay yes you know about this over here 
you know, now let, let's learn about this over here. And I think that if people took more time being honest with one another, trying to figure out, trying to understand one another and then respecting one another, we go a whole lot further and do a whole lot more. Um, and, and that that goes right into, you know, what we're going to talk about next, you know, which is, you know, it takes more than just, you know, the parent and, and, and the coach or the trainer to get this kid done. It's, it's a triangle effect or circle, complete circle that brings us all together to help the kid be successful. Well, we're going to go ahead and end it there. Um, it, pretty sure that, you know, a lot of you have a lot of opinions. We would love to hear them. Um, we're going to be, you know, doing our best to get to all our tweets and all of our Facebook and Instagram posts that uh, you guys are sending. Hey, I, I say uh, go on iTunes, Podbean, uh, comment, like, share, and mostly subscribe. Um be a part of the conversation. Uh, you can email us at the Staley and English Show. That's A N D, the Staley and English Show. Wait, wait, hold, hold. Something ain't right here. Something is just not right. Hold on. We can't end the show without the musical stylings of young Joshua Staley as he sings you to know, his I, wife. I, I don't have nothing to sing. Oh, he doesn't have no, no singing I today. I was just more concerned about you, the Giants being zero and five right now. And um, uh, you know, you know, I've really picked you guys to be one of the better teams in the NFC East. So obviously I was wrong and I'm I, I just want to make sure you're okay. Well, man. I mean the the 11 and 5 is still a possibility. And pigs flying off the side of a mountain is But a that's not possible. Yeah, it's, that's it's, not it's possible. possible I'm but just it's not going to happen. It's a possibility. Yeah, but it's like, not going to happen. 11 and 5 yeah. is still possible. You know. You know, and and if it happens, we will recall this particular show in which we will come back and say I'm not saying it's likely to happen. I'm just saying that it's possible. I will say this right here. I will put this out there. If the Giants finish 11 and 5, I will wash your car for a month straight. Well, first off, you don't want to wash that car. That car don't it, it you wash it it still look dirty. <laughs> Well, my students cracked on my car the other day. One of my players in my car looked like it got eczema. It was well, funny as all well, get out. Well, I, 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 I tried. <laughs> so you, we, 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 I tried. We, now we'll, we'll do a dinner or something. You owe me. You'd owe me some. Okay, yeah. Oh, matter of fact, I know what you could do. You could get me some oxtails from Mama J's over there on Decker Boulevard. That'll work for I'll me. I buy you some oxtails. Like that, I'm, that'll I'm work for be me. My oxtail money because <laughs> those guys aren't going eleven to five. But um, uh, man, we appreciate y'all listening and. You know, we will be back with you guys next week. And in the meantime, y'all take care. God bless and be safe. Yeah, don't forget, uh, join the conversation. The Stalian English Show at gmail.com. That's A-N-D, the Stalian English Show at gmail.com. I'm Coach English. It's Coach Staley right here. Keep God first and all the rest to follow. Peace. I'm a learner for real, like not just schoolwork. Like I just pay attention to everything. So I'm in Dubai and we did the... Um, the podcast, but I didn't bring my computer with me because I promised my wife that it wasn't going to be that kind of trip, right? So I'm like, if I bring my computer, though, she's going to think it's going to be that kind of trip, right? And we're going to end up getting into it, right? So my wife was like, we're going to Dubai. We're going two weeks. We ain't, you ain't doing no work. I'm like, bet, I got you. No computer. So I brought my little recorder, though, to do the podcast, and it's got like a little a SIM card like in it. 
and then you got to take that card, put that in the computer, and then you send it, right? So I was like, some kind of way, this Dubai, I heard about Dubai, it's supposed to be all that in the bag of chips. They got to have an Apple store. So I put my joint in there, right? And what was the problem? Like, it fit, everything worked, but what was the problem with the store I was in? Okay, yep, but a connection, but what kind? No, it was a connection, internet connection, but it was what? It was weak. So I was sitting there for like 40 minutes. It was like 3%. Three, 3%. I'm like, this ain't gonna work. My girl, like, I thought we weren't gonna, you gonna want me to do no work. You were here for 40 minutes. I'm like, oh, this, okay, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, abandon ship, abort that boy. So I go to the concierge, like, bro, I need to, and I listen to me. This is why I tell y'all for real, like, you can't be average and think you're gonna make your dreams become a reality and you're gonna be paid and you're gonna live life happy. It don't work like that. So I go to the first girl, she tell me what? She said, nope, we don't know how. I'm like, all right. I go to the next young lady, she told me what? She can't do it. Now these were the two people, listen to me carefully. These were the two people who worked behind the desk. My man came out, my man was sitting on the side with a suit on. You thinking people just get jobs because they get jobs, right? That's what you thinking, right? But I went to the first person, she told me no. I went to the second girl, she told me no. My man with the suit on the back looking suave. My man said, what you need? I love it. Like, that's why my man getting paid more than they getting paid. Listen to me very closely. When you graduate and you get a job, if you want to get paid, you never say no. You never say it can't get done. Don't you ever say out your mouth it can't get done. Even if you feel in your heart it can't get done, you don't say it out loud. You let the broke folks say that. You let the folks they find first say that. You always say it can get done. Even if you don't think it can get done, just say it and try to make up something. I'm being real. Let me tell y'all something. When y'all graduate and y'all start working for folks, and they can tell you just there to get paid, you're gonna be out of there quick. You don't take no ownership, you're gonna be out there quick. You're gonna be gone. My man walked out like, yo, what you need, bro? I was like, I got it, whatever. He's like, oh, okay, we got a computer over there, we're selling it, but, you know, so I don't know if you want your stuff on there, but if you don't mind your information being on the computer, it's all good, go for it. I'm like, bet. My man talking to me in English, and it's a, it's a, it's a sweet English, but I can tell that ain't his first language, though. He was from India. So he was, he, was, he was rolling with me, but a couple of them I had to stop and hear what my man was saying. I was like, all right, boom, got it. So then I noticed that an older Indian man came in and he was flowing with home. And then I noticed somebody that was from Dubai who spoke Arabic came in and my man was boom, answering their questions. I'm like, my man, that's three. <laughs> I'm like, that's three right there. My man, just in a couple minutes, he did the English boy, got me what I wanted. He was talking to the old, older dude from India. Uh, an Arabic family came in. My man went boom, boom, boom. Then somebody Latino came in. My man started speaking Spanish. I was like, ah, what is happening in front of me? Pulled my man to the side when it slowed down. I was like, homie, you, how many languages you speak? He said, I speak six. I said, what school you go to when you was little? He told me, I was like, so they just teach all them languages? He's like, no, nobody, they only taught us one language in, in India. You don't learn six. I was like, well, when you learn the other full five? He was like, oh, when I moved to Dubai four years ago. I was like, you learn four five languages in four years? He was like, yeah. I was like, how? He was like, it's the only way you eat. He's like, if you only speak one language, you, you, you outside with like the masses, like to, uh, <laughs> in 108 degree weather. It's the desert, it's hot. He like, you out there with them, and all they doing is put building buildings. That's all they do. And you can see it, like when you leave a resort, you can see like buses and groves. And they on the buses and groves, and they shipping them to do construction work. My man in the five-star resort living lives. 
I'm like, how do they live here? He's like, well, don't believe the hype. Everybody tell y'all how sweet it is, but most of them live in six to seven, two in the park. But me and my roommate, we live together. I said, why? He said, we speak this four languages so we can work at the resort. Oh, y'all hear what I'm telling you? Don't be average. So I want you to ask yourself, and we're going through this, the problem with privilege. I want you to ask yourself, are, are, do you have a spirit of entitlement? You got dreams and goals, but you entitled. The problem I have with most kids, if I tell you what it takes, most of you will die of exhaustion. You'd pass out before you reach 10,000 hours. You don't got the heart for it. You don't have the stamina for it. You just, you couldn't take what it really takes. What makes y'all stop or me, what makes y'all tired or what makes y'all angry or make, what makes y'all frustrated? It's just, it's, it's, I'm just thinking if the slaves would have made it with this mentality that we have today. They was walking, y'all talking about, man, we got it hard while you on your Uber app. Let me get that real quick. Man, I'm having a rough day, bro, I promise you. They out here killing me. Yeah, I did. Boom, address, yeah, boom. All right, yeah, he'll be in five minutes. Let's keep complaining until my man get here. You Ubering, you ordering, like, you complaining, you ordering Chipotle for you before you get there. You didn't place your order, walking in like, I can't believe it's just, ah, they killing me. Let me that's me. So all I'm saying is like, I'm not against you. I'm here because I love you and I want to see you succeed and I believe you can. But how do you learn four or five languages in four years? Because you have to. I, I just want you to get to a point where you work so hard that you can't get played. 